This is the LarryInFishers.com podcast. I'm Larry Lannon, and today my guest for our podcast is Steve Lozier, the director of PK-12 through Initiatives. So, Steve, welcome. Thank you. And I have to say, that may cause some questions right there. Yeah. We're used to K through 12. Yeah. Now you're PK through 12. Why the change? Yeah. So our district serves preschoolers, first of all. Um, and the work that we're doing should impact every student even before they uh, maybe even step into our system. So goal of that is that the experiences are starting right there in preschool. Yeah, it's, it's rare the child does not have some preschool uh, exposure before coming to, to kindergarten, right? Correct, correct. Well, uh, you are two pro- really two programs you're in the middle of in your job. One deals with the Pursuit Institute, but want to start off with the Ford Next Generation Learning Program. So we'll start with the Ford Project. And recently you had an event called Envision Day, and I want to I appreciate you inviting me. Unfortunately, I couldn't make it. Yeah. Visiting my grandkids in South Dakota That's and my important. daughter's family, so I had had an excuse to be away. Just barely missed it, but uh, I did hear a lot about it at the most recent school board meeting I attended. There was a video you talked about it with the school board, um, and what I found interesting from what I gleaned from it, it uh, involved not just the school staff, not just adult stakeholders from the local community, but you also had students in there as well, and they had a lot to say about that. So talk about that day and and what you think was accomplished that day. So really that day kicks off. um, We're in the envision phase of this Ford Next Generation transformational process. And that day really just engages those stakeholders for the first time. And so you noted what those groups were. uh, And the the value of that is that um, everybody's seated in, in, in kind of an interdisciplinary group uh, to have those conversations. And really it's about envisioning the knowledge, the skills, attributes, and the experiences that everybody in that room thinks are valuable for students to have. So you say interdisciplinary. What you're really saying is you've got a student here, you've got a, maybe a business owner here, yep. maybe a principal or teacher over there. Correct. So they're all talking together and parents yeah and the parents were there too we even some some attendees played kind of both roles they're they're obviously professionals but they were there really serving in the parent role you had one parent in the video say that was shown it's on youtube if you want to look at it there as well but it was shown at the school board meeting uh this one parent said you know the only thing that upsets me about this is my my children are in school and they'll be out by the time this whole thing is is so she's really excited about the fact that students of the future will, will get the, the uh, advantage of all this. Correct. Correct. And students said the same thing. You know, uh, part of that group were students grades four through seniors and those seniors and juniors by the end of the day say, darn, I wish I wish this was something I was going to experience as we build that. So, so um, I guess this, the question I would ask after reading about it, hearing your stories, uh, seeing the video, what did the students teach the adults at Vision Day? Yeah, so um, I think they just have a unique perspective on what kind of learning uh, best engages them. And obviously that varies from kid to kid, person to person. Um, they're also just uh, experiencing learning in a world that's vastly different than often school systems uh, were originally created for. So you just get to hear very different perspectives. Um, we spent actually some of that time uh, looking into what's known as Generation Alpha, which is the generation that's currently in our classrooms. 
You talked about what the students were able to, to get out of this, and I go back, you know, I'm, I'm not a young person, so mm-hmm. I went to school in the 50s and 60s, elementary school and then in, in the high school, and we had the traditional classroom, teachers at the front of the classroom. We didn't have very many group activities. We pretty much did everything at our own desk. But that model is so different today. Mm-hmm. For those of us who went to school a long time ago, talk about how this whole Envision Day looked at school a different way. Yeah. So think of um, how students can really be given opportunities to not just know things and learn things, you know, like a, a lecture format of instructions, often just you're gleaning information from the expert in the room. Uh, has shifted greatly to it's really about what students know and are able to do with what they know. Um, And we know that, honestly, the best way for students to learn or what we call transfer is to um, actually be given opportunities to apply and use that knowledge in a way that um, provides space for their own choices. Um, And that often leads to collaboration with other people. Uh, How can they be creative? And then ultimately, how can they best communicate their learning uh, in that scenario. So you're looking at just a more active um, form of of learning. Yeah, just go to any classroom today. If your children are in schools, ask to sit in on a class sometime. Yeah. And uh, if you went to school years ago, you'll see a difference in the way it's done today. And this whole Envision Day was another way of trying to even build upon that, as I understand it. Correct, yeah. So what I also saw in that video was, you know, I guess I'm used to in the I worked for the government and corporate world, and you know the the buzz is always you know get a, a flip chart out and start putting nope. writing things down. <laughs> yeah. And there was some of that, but these uh, the students were doing artwork. Yes, and they were creating and, posters and explaining to the rest of the room uh, or to groups as they circulated around. Um, basically, how they saw uh, learning attributes like what what do skills mean to kids? Uh, what does learning look like to them? What's knowledge to students? Um, and that through that dialogue and those conversations, obviously you get their perspective, and then from there we plan um, really what should our classrooms look like. Uh, and you know Ford calls that a transformation. Uh, you know, as you noted, the model of the '50s and '60s was very much a factory model based on the workforce. Um, uh, we are not just, you know, coming up with fun things for kids to do. We're actually in those rooms also engaging workforce and talent development and really want to hear from employers what those skills look like. And as we drive those conversations, obviously kids are learning from that, but they're also informing that process. You know, I mean, my living as a reporter, I'm a volunteer now, but uh, late 70s, early 80s, covered a school board. Now, I remember one school board member telling me that the school I should I say, but the model of a school room or a school classroom was almost devised like a Henry Ford yep. assembly line. Yeah, so very much like, okay, here it is, next thing, next thing, next thing, and and this is how you learn this, and, and you do it in this order, and everybody does it the same way. Um, what we're seeing, and and I want to ask you, with that said, you finished day one of the envision mm-hmm. phase. You, gathered all this information, data, ideas. 
What do you do with it now? Yeah, so right now it's currently, in, as you said, in some chart form with a lot of Post-it notes. Um, and what we'll actually do here uh, later this week with uh, what's called our transformation team. So that's district personnel as well as some principals that serve on that. Uh, we're going to work to synthesize really what came out of that day. Obviously, we have some hunches. Everybody participated in that. Um, and we also had feedback forms that we used too. So we'll look at some digital data. Uh, and so we'll just start to synthesize that. And the goal is is that we just have that in a, in a format to present here later in February where we come back to day two um, and we just share that back with the group and they continue to inform um, and we just work towards packaging that uh, into what's then known as the portrait of a graduate. And again, those are the knowledge, skills, attributes, and experiences uh, that everybody in that room really agrees are valuable. Um, and what are we going to really target? Ford calls that our, our North Star to follow um, as an organization at that point. You want to talk more about portrait of a graduate in a moment. But before I do that, when I looked at what Ford likes to do or their plan, you do this envision phase, which you're in now. But then you go to something called the plan phase. Planning. What is the plan phase? So we will start to plan master planning, which will happen here in the spring, again, with community members. This whole process is, I like to think of it as um, a different way to engage our community with how we do school and then sustaining that well beyond what's known as an initiative, right? Once we've opened the dialogue, it just keeps going. And obviously we can um, adjust and pivot and do some different things. So planning... Uh, uh, we'll move into what's really a three-year master plan that comes out of that. And that really um, is where we take that vision, that North Star, and we start to really look at how do we engage our community further in that process. And then the big shift here, I'm going to go back to your Henry Ford model, um, is we will look at the processes, the procedures, the policies, how we do school as a system, and that's where the real transformation happens. So Ford is, has become experts, and again, this work, you know, you know, Henry Ford founded over 60 schools in his lifetime. Um, had that factory model uh, kind of thing uh, that, that has continued and still it still pervades our, you know, I point out to people who make that observation, we still work on a bell schedule. It's a lot like a factory in that way, right? So we'll start to look at that. Um, and that's ultimately the hardest part, I think, to shift is the systems and structures of how we do school to make them really be about the student experience. Yes, I'm old enough to remember when we really rang actual bells. We didn't even have the buzzers that we use yeah. today for classes. Uh, you've talked about portrait of a graduate, and this this is something that's been discussed for years. Yeah. Uh, and it's morphed into different things. And I think it actually the state of Indiana is involved in this uh, port of, portrait of a graduate. Get a little more into this. You already mentioned it. Uh, what's the purpose of putting together a portrait? portrait of a graduate. Yeah. So it really creates that vision um, that's unique to a school system or a community. And so um, it is a national, it was a national initiative kind of pre-COVID. HSE as a district actually engaged with creating that portrait um, in the middle of that. And it just kind of fizzled in the meetings that were needed to happen at that time. So we're re-engaging that with the community. Um, the portrait uh, ultimately just really says that we as a community in Fishers will define what unique, um, again, knowledge, skills, attributes, and experiences are uniquely um, what we want as a community for our students to have. It could look different elsewhere um, and probably should um, based on that. So obviously those things would reflect the kind of um, students and employees we want to have um, as well as those experiences. And really it's the, it's the community voice in that as we move forward. So. 
Yeah, I, I, I'm thinking, when I think a portrait of a graduate, I always thought, you know, again, I go back to when I was in school, which is a long time ago, but you are what your grade says you are. Uh, yeah. You know, you have a grade point average. That is it. That's you, you know. But a portrait of a graduate, as I have looked at this, and I'm no expert, I've just heard people discussing it and, and reviewing it, is more of a, okay, what did you do in school? What? Yeah. But, and kind of gets to what you were saying a moment ago. What skills do you bring forth after you leave high school, for example, is it more the holistic picture of what a student has done throughout their career? Absolutely. And again, it goes back to the assessments like your grade and your test score. Those are valuable measures, right? That shows learning. Teachers uh, use those every day to do that. But if it goes back to the targets shifting from what you know to how what you can do with what you know, ultimately it goes back to um, those higher level kind of things where students are creating things with their knowledge. And that's what actually gets reflected in the portrait. Yeah, you know, when I was looking at the material, I remember when the Ford Next Generation appeared before the school board. Mm-hmm. And I think you were there a while back. What interested me in that in that presentation was, you know, Ford Next Generation. They sort of select who they deal with. Mm-hmm. You know, they they look at a lot of school corporations and systems, and what. I remember them saying at that uh, presentation was, you know, we looked at UHSC schools, what you're doing, and we thought you were good for our program. Yeah. What does that say? Yeah, so I think there's a couple things going on there. Uh, I'd note that HSE is a member as a district of six or five other districts total that in the state of Indiana um, received what's known as a 3E grant to go through this process with Ford. Um, and if you look at the way that that grant was written for to specifically work with Ford, it's rural, urban, and suburban communities and districts that reflect that. Obviously, when I go back to the portrait, being unique to that community, they want to see that this kind of transformational process would work across those communities um, with that. In terms of um, Ford really looking, you know, I think the HSE is known uh, at the state level as being a space where innovative teaching practices are happening. As you noted, if you walked into a lot of our classrooms today, you would see some innovative, active learning going on. Um, The goal of this would be how do we do that for every single student, 22,000 of them, and across our large district. And so I think that's what's really attractive to Ford is um, we're a very large ship to to steer. Um, and you've seen it work in other places. Uh, they're looking again for that to be successful. So I think it's our, it's our history of being innovative, but we could always, um, probably make that more cohesive and more of a a vision and then really go back to that community engagement piece. Um, how is the community informing that as we go? You know, I look back again, I go back and think about how many times in my educational career that I worked in a group and I think the first time it ever happened, uh, well, maybe with some clubs in high school, but not in regular classrooms. Not with a grade. When I went to college, I did it about three times. So I'm, I'm fascinated by this idea of doing things in groups, and that's just one example. And this brings me to, to the question I want to ask about to wrap up the Ford Next Generation Learning. I know you can't talk about this in specifics, but in general terms, how different will classrooms be in this district once this process is done and you implement some of these uh, uh, ideas that are going to come yeah. up? 
I think if when you walked into the room, I think you'd see collaboration today, right? I think you'd see that in a lot of our classrooms already. The difference would be that when you, let's say you walked up to a student and you asked, what are you working on? They'd be able to answer not just with the content knowledge they were learning that day, but they'd probably be able to tell you um, what kind of skills they were using with that group, what kind of things they were doing that were impacting ideally learning beyond a test or a grade to their own community or how they're impacting that. And so the, the, if you want to think of it in terms of grades and assessment, the outcomes that we're targeting out of this work are going to be greater aligned. And then to that point, uh, it should be more consistent across every, let's say, third grade across the district, right? That they're all targeting the development of those skills. Again, if that portrait of a graduate is a North Star, that we're really trying to ensure that every single graduate has before they leave us, we're going to guarantee some um, some. Uh, experiences, and then really the skill development that comes out of those experiences uh, to better prepare them for for college, career, whatever, military, whatever comes after that. Because not everybody goes to college. I'll talk more about that in a Mm -hmm. moment. But uh, for Next Generation, when you look at their material, they are saying, well, we we want to focus on what skills people feel, the students and the parents and the employers feel that they need to have once they're out of high school. Because, and I'm just going to ask this later, but I'll ask it now, because I've noticed that there are a lot of very large employers in America who are saying, yes, we want college grads for this and this, but we have a ton of jobs where you might need a certification. Like some are two-year programs, some are less, a little more than that. But if you have a certification to do a certain thing, maybe I want you for that job. Um, That does change I think the career planning that a student might think about Absolutely. today. Absolutely. So easily to step out of high school into certain places where you're going to get career experience and go into employment right away. The difference is, you know, you can look at various uh, stats, but the general consensus is that, that students will change careers. That's not jobs. Careers five to seven times in their lifetime. Many of those careers don't exist yet <laughs> because they're going to be making those. So as employers, I think though, to, if you go to a high school, to a college, to an employment type of pathway as it's traditionally existed, um, that's no longer the case. The other point that I would note, and obviously we can't guarantee anything, but a lot of those employers uh, need that workforce right now, and they're willing to invest in it to the point where they will pay for further education, one, to keep that employee. And so I think you'll see also students maybe step into the workforce at first, but then need to go back to some type of uh, secondary education, whether that's a certification, whether that's a two-year program or a four-year program. But the difference also could be that um, you know a local fishers company could be investing with that student investing in them as an employee, uh, and there's just a whole different way to navigate that system, and and we're going to see that shift. You know, my twin daughters went to uh, HSC schools, K through 12. They didn't go to pre-K. Okay. (laughs) But they went, uh, they went elsewhere, but uh, they they went K through 12 to HSC schools. And when one of my twin daughters, they're almost 30, but uh, not sure what to major in in college. And I remember talking to experts and talking to her and and they said this, something very similar to what you just said. Yes, there are careers out there, but several of them don't exist yet. Right. So what you have to do is get a skill set that you think may fit any of those, or not just necessarily what you have available for you today, which brings me to the Pursuit Institute. Now, remember that uh, all the Hamilton County school corporations are now a part 
of the Pursuit Institute. And I have interviewed on a podcast their executive director, Carrie Lively, mm-hmm. some time ago and had a good discussion with her. Uh, HSC Schools had for quite a while partnered with Jay Everett Light Center at uh, Washington Township Schools and North Central High School. And now the Pursuit Institute is, is taking on most of that. I think there may be a few students at Light, but there are mm-hmm. very few now. Uh, for those not familiar with Pursuit, uh, just explain what Pursuit does for the HSC schools. Yeah, so most people first connect with um, a typical vocational uh, program in a vocational center, right? You're going back actually to those 50s, 60s, um, and the model of that. The difference in the innovative um, model of the Pursuit Institute uh, is that uh, Hamilton County schools essentially have pooled their resources to develop those programs. But instead of building a building or putting something in a brick and mortar per se, uh, it's can we host those programs within our current high schools? Um, and then ultimately by being a member of the Pursuit Institute, uh, we can share students across programs uh, to move towards those vocational um, certifications and the credentialing and, and some of those things, as well as those experiences. And um, I always like to note that Jay Everett Light's a great partner. Uh, it really is uh, a capacity issue. I'll go back to the 1960s when these communities were a thousand people, and now you have Hamilton County of Westfield, Carmel, Noblesville, and Fishers. Uh, that you know, Jay Everett Light doesn't have the capacity to give students all those experiences. They did great doing with what they could, uh, and as the state of Indiana actually moves more towards these types of exploratory or credentialing or things too, uh, we really saw that we need need to be uh, reallocating and re-envisioning what those resources look like to provide those opportunities for every student. Yeah, I remember the discussion, and the and the HSC school system was the last one to get into Pursuit Institute in Hamilton County because they had a lot of questions. Yeah. And one of the issues that I heard often at these school board meetings, what you alluded to, Jay Everett liked to do great work. There's no complaint about what they're doing, just sometimes we couldn't get their, our students into the programs they wanted to get into. Here, what you're saying is that you know HSC high school officials may have some programs, Maybe a Hamilton Heights students would come here. We might go send somebody to Carmel who has mm-hmm. a program. That's So we can't have all programs in all schools, but hopefully within the county, somebody will find a program that uh, they would want to get into. Mm-hmm. You'd have a better chance as a student of getting into that program. Yeah. I note, too, you know, HSC was the largest sender to JEL as well, um, so biggest customer in that way. Um, one of the things we learned, and I note, too, the partnership, JEL actually founded uh, – our five uh, vocational programs in our buildings. So we currently have CNA, EMT, medical assisting, welding, and music sound production on our campuses through that JEL partnership. What we found was that when we um, put those programs on our calendar, on our schedule, with our bell schedule, and travel wasn't involved, our students will fill up those programs instead of making kind of the choice uh, to to go to an off-site location. So one of the things I'd like to, to say about HSE and vocational services, what's great about the Pursuit Partnership is they can help us stand up programs if the student interest is there in our own facilities. Um, and they've already done a great job this year, I'll say. They get teachers credentialed to teach those classes. Um, they help to um, pursue grant funding and things to get some of those things started. And so as we continue to re-envision, I'll bring, I'm going to bring the Ford work together with Pursuit. Uh, when we get to re-envision what those career kind of opportunities are, PK through 12, 
pursuit's going to be what I say, like the supercharger to some of those experiences, right? They're going to come alongside us and help to do that. What's really interesting, we didn't talk a lot about the 3E grant yet, mm-hmm. but but Ford NGL work is funded through a state of Indiana 3E grant. Pursuit was also funded through a 3E grant. What's nice is the metrics and outcomes that we need to accomplish are the, exactly the same. And those are giving kids those career opportunities, opportunities for work-based learning. So trying to do what looks like an internship, but with more uh, formal classroom training and, and the application and use of that classroom skills for students at that point. Um, so we're all aligning and it's not just the, the three grants also say you can't just do it for high school. You have to look at K-8 and help kids make that decision. I'll go back to your, your point about your daughter. Um, I like to say to parents, it's as much about your student finding out what they don't want to do in this experience as it is what they do want to do. Our goal is that when they um, walk across the stage at graduation, they know clearly where they're going to go following that uh, experience, and they know what they're not going to do. And I'd like to do it while students are supported and while it costs less to parents. (laughs) Well, I'll say one thing. I remember sitting through the school board meetings. I'll let you explain that funding. Uh, You did a good overview on it, but if you get into the weeds of that funding, Funding, it can get very complicated, yeah. but it, the money is there, just coming from different sources. Correct. I think that's yeah. the best way to some federal, state, and there's some other. Well, and that money you noted how in. Ford kind of reached out, and, yes. and it really, I should note our other partner there is CIESC, which is a, a cooperative that we're a member of. They've already founded what's known as the Indiana Career Collaborative, which we're a member of. Um, but they reached out to put us in their grant, and then obviously the pursuit transition. We were we were part of the whole time that that was happening. Um, again, uh, we're a big player in the world of education, and um, they know the kind of experiences we're already providing kids. They want to help us scale those uh, to the level we need to. Yeah, and Pursuit Institute, when you think of that, and it sort of ties into what, what you're doing with Ford, but I think there's been a big discussion recently in society that uh, the cost of a university degree is climbing so high. It had always been a great investment. It still is, I think, to be a college grad. But the cost of doing that at certain universities has climbed to a, a, a highest we've seen in a long time, we've ever seen, really. Mm-hmm. So do you think with that, as you know, parents and families and students try to plan ahead, that they're factoring in this. I'm not. We still HSC schools. We produce a whole lot of college people all, all over the country. When I when I uh, volunteer uh, for programs and ask you know the students where they're going, they go all over the place and uh, some very high level universities they're going to. Uh, so we we as a school district certainly do produce an awful lot of college students, but there are a certain number of students who maybe are looking at that and saying maybe I want to pursue another. A career which might pay me just as much. Yeah. And that's where pursuit and, and some of this Ford work comes in. Exactly. Yeah. And I think, you know, statistically, we are a high college going community. Uh, I don't think that that desire necessarily changes. What does change uh, is the the path or the journey for that student could look different than a traditional uh, model of that. I'll go back to the the partnering with uh, industry or business uh, right out of high school that could lead towards you know the funding of that education or how that looks. Um, but again, and I'll go back to 
our students may go through a, a full vocational program, still go to a four-year college, um, but in that process, either they're uh, you know, uh, diversifying their skill set. I like to think that some of those programs would be a great uh, safety net for students skills-wise to fall into as they navigate their career. Um, and they do that. Or we have students that could specialize in certain areas. And it goes back to the skills that are coming out of these experiences. Um, the students, again, if they're going to create that career down the road, it's going to be a blending of probably some expertise, some experience, and then those specific skill sets that employers say they need in that moment. Uh, and it's a really kind of up to that employee to, to kind of craft those, you know, one, sell them in an interview, but then demonstrate them as they do that. Uh, and I think that's the other thing that we're starting to build with students is that they're going to have to market their unique skill set. Um, as well as the unique employability attributes that they have to fit with a company, a team, um, and fit that position. You, know, you spent uh, many years as a high school assistant yeah. principal. I talked to teachers, and, and I asked them, you know, are, are, are the students and kids any different today? And they said, the kids aren't any different. The world around them is different. The social media is different. The technology is different. Uh, they themselves aren't different, but what they come out of and are exposed to is, is, is quite different. So based on what you were able to see as an assistant principal at a high school uh, and what you've seen so far in this job, how have the needs of students changed over the years? You know, I think um, I'm going to use the factory model of Henry Ford. <laughs> uh, that model of employment uh, only asks for really passive compliance, right? If you're a, a factory line worker, uh, and your job is to assemble that part in a certain way over and over again. Uh, it's about how well you can do that, how fast you can do it, and how well you can do it to fidelity or to that point. Um, I think that that has, has changed greatly. What employers need now um, is they need employees that are authentically engaged in the work. And that's where you see that shift. And so we want to be given students' experiences in that authentic engagement. It's interesting, you know, to use the teacher quote about kids being different. Um, I know of students that have passions, that have purpose, uh, that have certain skill sets that never walk through that high school door, you know, and that part of that is how can we take those interests and those passions and leverage those in a learning moment to help kids again uh, still, you know, pass a test, uh, demonstrate content knowledge. Those things don't change. I agree with that. But ultimately, if you walked in the room and talked to that student, you would see that authentic engagement. When you ask the kid, why are you learning this today? They wouldn't say, because I have a test on Friday. They wouldn't say, because I need an A in this class. They would say, it's because I am actively pursuing this passion I have and that my teachers have given me opportunities to have voice and choice in how I do that. Uh, and that's the big shift that's it's there. And that, part of it, when you say students are, haven't changed, I think they would change if they were given the opportunity to step into that authentic engagement. And what you just described is a big change from a lot, a lot of us, yeah. not everyone, but a lot of us have experienced in our, in our education. Uh, yeah, I, know, I always know, again, to the parent audience maybe on this, um, being the assistant principal and supporting students and families and things for years uh, – that's, I want to acknowledge that's a scary thing. When a kid comes home and what they're being asked to do in a classroom isn't just how to pass a test or get a grade, that can jar parents. Um, and I think uh, that's why sometimes you do see some negative things that, that come out of that. And really what it is is a, it's a parent that's concerned 
about something that they've not navigated before. Well, that's going to be that student's life. And, and part of this work, I really want to note, comes back to that community voice piece where, um, you know, we want our parents along us every step of the way in this, um, but to also acknowledge that, hey, this this is different. Um, and let's do it while parents are supporting their kids at home, right? Because the reality is when kids get to, let's say we do go to college, uh, it's while they're maybe, you know, two, three hours away. Um, they're dealing with all kinds of other things that are a challenge to that, um, and you're paying a lot of money for it. Um, so let's uh, let's you try to you know, and so yeah. let's try to to make that something um, that we do together. Well, we're about out of time. Uh, anything you would like to add? I didn't think to ask about the the work you do. No, I just, you know, I, I like to say I always love and I still love being a, a, an assistant principal at Fishers. This was the passion of has been mine ever since I stepped into the classroom on the first day as an English teacher. Um, I think that uh, what's exciting to me is I was always trying to do some of these things at Fishers High School, but probably spent about 10% of my time doing it. Now I get to do it 100% of the time. Um, and I'm just always, my tagline's always been, I want to shock the world with what kids are capable of doing. Um, and I think you're going to see HSE schools step further and further into that space as we move forward. Steve Lozier is the director of PK through 12 initiative, including the preschool there, not just K through 12. Steve Lozier, thank you very much uh, for joining me today. Thank you, Larry. It's been an honor.